Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday, July 12th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Quite a productive day for the Royals on Monday. They won two games against the Tigers and acquired three players from the Braves. On today's show, beat writer Lynn Worthy talks about the day on the field and off, what the Royals gave up in the trade, and what they expect in return. We also discuss trade prospects for Andrew Benintendi, among others, and we take a moment to appreciate the club record consecutive game streak for Whit Merrifield. That one came to an end on Monday. The show started as a Sports Beat Live. Let's get started. Hey, good morning from Kansas City, and welcome to Sports Beat Live, our weekly conversation about the Kansas City Royals. Uh, with folks who know them best from the Kansas City Star and with you, please send us your questions and comments about the Royals. A lot going on with this team the last few days, especially on Monday. We're going to get into that with beat writer Lynn Worthy, whose um, handsome face you do not see at the moment. Lynn is having some video problems. Fortunately for us, no audio problems. That Correct, Lynn? I hope so. <laughs> okay, you sound great. Um, and glad you're there. Um, before we get started, I want to send a shout out to our sponsor, the University of Kansas Health System, and to let you know that um, if this uh, show had a theme for today, it would be just the two of us, Lynn, harking um, back to Bill Withers and Grover Washington Jr. I, I could break into song, but I won't. Um, but it's just you and I today, uh, columnist Vahe Gregorian and Sam McDowell are off today, and um, and so we're going to have to carry the load. And like I said, a whole lot to talk about. Um, so let's let's get right into it. I want to uh, – the day uh, Monday, of course, started with the trade, and we're going to get into that in a big way, but I wanted to I wanted to talk more about the on-field performances uh, by the Royals in sweeping the Detroit Tigers. If I read the postgame notes right, that was the first time since 2015 that the Royals swept a split doubleheader. Uh, first time since 2013, it was against the Tigers. So really good day on the field for for the Royals. Um, game one, it was all about Brad Keller and Vinny Pasquantino. Game two, um, let, let, let's start there. Tell us what was unique about the the, the top of the batting order and, and how they came through. Well, I'll say this to start. Um, I think I'm more partial to the, uh, I guess it's the the Will Smith version of the, just the two of us. <laughs> I think that's the one that comes to my mind. That, that might just be a um, no, it's because you're a kid. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. uh, and because I think it was associated with a movie or something like that too. So I think that's probably got something to do with it. Um, but yeah, this yesterday's uh, doubleheader. Um, I think it starts with uh, at least in the first game with Brad Keller's pitching performance. I mean, for him to to go out, give seven innings, um, basically just shut down that Tigers offense uh, for the second straight time and really for the third time this season. Um, you know, he was he was dealing and he gave him length, which was important because of the fact that they had the two games um, and then became even more important when you get to the second game and Daniel Lynch has another finger problem and, and, and doesn't make it through five. And these aren't the, you know, the seven inning double headers from the past. These right. are the full nine. Believe me, I know. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, it was, um, but I think to get two wins to, for them to get, I mean, and also with, you know, some, some guys out, I mean, and we, we didn't mention it yet, but obviously uh, with Merrifield's consecutive game streak, 
ended yesterday. So you take Witt out of the lineup. And that second game, you had the first three batters were rookies MJ Melendez, Bobby Witt Jr., Vinny Pasquantino. Um, so, yeah, I think all around for them to get that sweep, it was a good day um, in multiple ways. And, um, you know, just for them to get a little something going um, after the back and forth and, the, you know, that the last road trip, it seemed like it was a lot of almost and playing well, but not getting wins or getting walked off. So um, playing, playing well and getting some wins, I think, was important for them right now. Yeah, that makes it three in a row for the Royals. I really like how they responded to that embarrassment on Saturday. Saturday, uh, the, the was a thirteen to one loss to Cleveland, to come back and, and win on Sunday uh, against the Guardians and to win that series, I thought showed me something about this team. Um, the, you know, that's the type of game that could start a tailspin, and in fact, it did just the opposite for the Royals. They're now on a, a three-game winning streak and have won four out of five. So, just a couple more little notes about what happened on the field Monday. Um, so first time since 1999 that the Royals had three rookies go one, two, three in the batting order. First time ever a catcher uh, uh, led off for the Royals and MJ Melendez and their performance uh, was tremendous. How about Bobby Wood Jr. with four hits, first uh, four hit game for him and, and three RBIs. So um, I, I just thought uh, it was quite a statement for the youth. And before we um, uh, move on from the game. So how about Vinny Pasquantino um, with his home run uh, in the, you know, in the, in game one uh, uh, came on, um, it, it came off the, the guy who hit the first home run off of, wasn't it? Uh, am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was a deja vu type of situation. So his first career major league home run came off of Michael Pineda in Detroit in the fourth inning on a first pitch fastball. So, of course, yesterday he decided to hit his second home run off of Michael Pineda in the fourth inning on the first pitch fastball. So if they come up, if when they meet again uh, and Vinny comes up in the fourth inning, then uh, either he's going to get plunked or he's going to hit a home run, I think, is, is what, what's going to happen. So, okay, so as good of news as that was for the Royals yesterday, probably not the biggest news of the day. That happened earlier with the trade, and wow, um, just uh, you know, the Royals traded their, their their compensation pick at number 35 overall with a competitive, not compensation, but competitive uh, balance pick at number 35 overall to the Atlanta Braves in return for three prospects. Um, I guess closest to the major leagues would be the center fielder, Drew Waters. And but along with that, the right handed pitcher, Andrew Hoffman and infielder C.J. Alexander. You know all uh, Braves farmhands right now, but um, let's let's start with uh, uh, Drew Waters, the 23-year-old uh, center fielder. Really tore it up when he got uh, to the Braves in uh, when he was a second-round pick in 2017, and uh, and there's some uh, there there's some things to like about him. Yeah, he's he's a true center fielder. I mean, um, you know, Rose General Manager JJ Piccolo, he stopped short of you know, saying that this is their center fielder for the future. But I, I think there was a strong indication but that they, they think that this is the, the next guy in line to be their center fielder going forward. Uh, obviously, Michael A. Taylor is, is the Gold Glove winner who's having one of his best offensive seasons. He's in place now. Um, but this looks like the next guy. Um, 
you know, as far as, you know, a, a guy who's athletic, they feel like he, he ever sent a field at Kauffman Stadium. And we know that's been a big thing for this organization going back as far as, you know, charge of it. Um, and so they, they, they feel like, you know, they have that guy. Obviously, there's still some work to do. I mean, for people who think, OK, they've traded for him and they're going to plug him in. Um, JJ sort of it sounded like he was giving you the pump the brakes on that because, um, you know, he he's shown some some real flashes in the past. I think in double A, he was the player of the year one year. But coming out of that pandemic season, he had some some speed bumps. So um, there's still some work to do. They think it sounds like they really think that with their hitting department and the stuff that they've done the last couple of years, turning guys around, they feel like they can they can work with him and get him in a good place. And they think he's got power, too. Um, so he's got a speed power combination, but they feel like there's still work they need to do with him. So he's not a guy who you just, you know, plug right in and give him the everyday job and say, here you go. Um, there's still going to be a little time needed with him. So they still have another year on the Michael A. Taylor contract, correct? And um, so maybe he's the the heir apparent, but just not the immediate heir apparent. Yeah, and that's um, you know, in, in the story that we posted today this morning um, with JJ's comments, um, it's interesting because I think there were some people, or at least the speculation, that you know, okay, well maybe this means they trade Taylor because they have the next guy. Or, I mean, I guess, that, and that is one way you look at it. You say, okay, well, there's another guy in, t- in in line, and maybe you just piece it together until this guy is ready, but you know who the next guy is. Uh, the other way to look at it is now that you have, you know, a succession line, you have the guy who's ready for when Taylor either, you know, leaves as a free agent or if you deal him at the next trade deadline because he's going into free agency, then this guy comes and steps in right then. Um, so, I mean, I guess if people, you know, it's, it depends on, you know, what you're, how you want to look at it, but either this means it's Michael A. Taylor's in place at least for another year until the next trade deadline, or, um, if you want to believe that that makes it easier to trade him now, I tend to, um, think that it's more the, the, the former that, um, this means Taylor's in place for at least the next year. And this is the guy who's going to take over after him, after they've had some time to work with him and the minors, get him, um, straight at the plate. And they feel like he's he's going to be the caliber of center fielder that they need. Uh, and the other thing about Taylor is, is if you trade him now, the guys that you put in there, you're going to see a drop off. I mean, as much as, you know, obviously Kyle Isbell is a wonderful defender and, and, and makes some great plays. You're going to see a drop off between him and, and Michael A. Taylor. I also don't think that the Royals believe he's an everyday center fielder. Um, so that's why you need another guy like this. I think that's why one of the things that they were going to be looking at on the trade market was potentially trying to find that center fielder of the future. Um, Edward Olivares is another guy who physically looks like he could, he should be able to be a center fielder, but the the plays in the outfield just aren't for whatever reason aren't there. And he's a guy who works at, like I know, I remember even last year seeing him out there early work with Rusty. So it's not a guy who's not working at it. It's just for whatever reason, the jumps and the routes aren't, what you would want from an everyday center fielder. So, um, yeah, but now at least looks like there's a guy who's there who should be the future at that spot. And, um, you know, even though he sort of hedged that he didn't really want to put this on him, I mean, you heard J.J. Piccolo revoke the name of Lorenzo Cain yesterday, so that's that's really all you need to know, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, exactly. The the, the best center fielder um, in, in my time here in Kansas City. So, um, I, I wondered if something was going on, though, in terms of uh, the, the way Michael A. Taylor was used yesterday. You know, long day for the Royals, the two nine-inning games. Didn't play in one of them, and I think did he DH in the other one? 
Yeah, he DH'd the first game, and it's something that, you know, it was, it's going to be interesting to follow up on today because he also – he had – um, you know, the game the other day where he pitched uh, the last two innings. So I don't know right. if it was a being careful thing. Like he, he said at the time, at least, that he came out of it feeling fine. Obviously, he did, um, you know, play as a DH in the first game. But perhaps it's one of those things where he's dealing with something because it's not like they set him out completely. Um, but um, it'll be interesting to see what they do today with the one game, if he's back in there playing center field or um, if they're giving him more time. He was throwing gas too, wasn't he, on Saturday? Yeah, he got up to 93 point something or other. So, I mean, if you round it up, it's 94 miles an hour for uh, a guy who just came out of center field. Um, <laughs> I think that the, the one thing we were, we were saying was because they made some substitutions at that point because obviously, you know, the game was out of hand. And we're like, how are you going to have Michael A. Taylor on the mound and have somebody else playing center field? It's like, that. How, how when a ball, fly ball gets hit out there, how is he not going to be like, come on, man? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or maybe he flies off the mound to go get it himself. I mean, uh, he's, he's got that kind of range. So, uh, okay, just something to pay attention to because you're right. I've, I've seen his name pop up in a, some tweets as, as potential, um, you know, trade bait and um, – uh, you know, I guess the way the Royals have been dealing, you know, with, with you know, first Carlos Santana and now, um, you know, the trade for the, you know, for with the Braves, they're they're in a dealing mode right now. Are they not? And before you answer that, I also want you to I want to get your thought on, you know, the, the idea of trading a draft pick is new to baseball. That's just kind of that, that's a new phenomenon. And, um, and and what are the Royals giving up with the number 35 all, overall uh, pick? Yeah, it's, um, you know, and, and and really there's only certain picks that you can even trade. I mean, like it's not like they could trade that, um, you know, that number, number nine, nine pick. Yeah, you, right. you couldn't do that if you wanted to. So it's really just a limited number of picks at competitive balance rounds and things like that. And, and even just a certain number, I believe it's limited as to who could acquire those picks too. Um, so it's really a rare thing um, to the point where, you know, J.J., was pretty candid yesterday saying that they, they weren't really excited about the idea of even trading that pick because it was Atlanta who approached them about acquiring that pick. And the way he made it sound was as though like they weren't really interested in trading that pick. Then they looked at it and said, well, wait a minute, there's, you know, some guys that we really like that maybe we could get for this pick. And then the fact that it sounded like the fact that they were able to get three players in exchange for the pick is what made it happen. Because at one point he said, yeah, I candidly did not think that this deal would happen. So, and I think I took that to mean, as he talked about, you know, the fact that it, they talked through it and talked through it and they, they had a couple of guys they really wanted. And the fact that they could get a third guy um, really made a difference. I took that to mean that um, they, they, they pressed to get three guys and that's what made this thing happen. Um but, yeah, I mean, it, you think about where that, that pick falls. I mean, if you just go back a few years, I mean, like in that 30 to 40 range is where you saw guys like, and I, I don't remember the exact pick numbers, but, I mean, that's where you saw like the Bubiches, the the Coars, the Lynches come off the board in 2018, just for an example. Like that's, those are, you I mean, these aren't, you know, high first round picks, but these are first round picks, basically. These are first round picks. These are guys that, you know, you expect to get high caliber pitchers or uh, high caliber players at that spot. Guys who, you know, you're going to be counting on as the future. These aren't, you know, late round picks where you're taking flyers on guys. And, and also as far as the draft pool, um, that's about $2.2 million that um, Atlanta gets to add to their draft pool and that the Royals will take away. Um, and that's, you know, 
uh, as far as, you know, I mean, that's a slot value, but that's also some maneuvering you can do. Like in past years, you go back to, was it the Hunter Dozier draft? He was picked as their top pick, but he signed for under slot because they used some of that slot value to be able to pay more to Sean Manaya at the time. So that's also part of what's, you know, that's part of the calculations there with that slot value, with that with that pick, taking it out of the equation, adding it to the equation for Atlanta uh, and the types of players that you might be able to find at that spot. Very good. Okay, hey, let's take a break here and hear from the University of Kansas Health System. March 4th, 2015, I got out of the shower and felt a lump in my left breast. We were able to quickly uncover that she had two subtypes of breast cancer, each of them requiring separate and unique treatment plans. This is why you come to the University of Kansas Cancer Center. It is critical to be treated by a team of experts in that specific cancer type. If you don't start with us, I think you'll have more questions than answers. Why would you go anywhere else? Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the E-Edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. We're back on Sports BKC talking Royals with beat writer Lynn Worthy, um, our other uh, esteemed colleague, Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, uh, not here today. But um, all right. Lynn, let's let's switch gears a little bit and talk. Uh, the you know, obviously the trade was big news on on Monday, and, and I guess we can transition into uh, another possible deal, and that is uh, Andrew Benintendi. I, I I thought when we kind of set up today's show that you might have to scoot off at some point and uh, and and report about a trade. Uh, we're we're just getting into that time of year and. Uh, so far, so good. 20 minutes in, uh, no, no trade yet for, for the Royals, at least that we know of. And um, is, is Andrew Benatendi the next uh, the one to keep an eye on for, for Royals fans? He would seem to be the most, um, most likely. Um, I'm not sure that it's going to happen sooner as opposed to um, coming down to the deadline. That's just my sense or, you know, I guess really more of a guess. Um, just because I feel like they're going to want to try to extract the most possible out of that deal and maybe waiting until the deadline applies pressure to some teams. You know, you, you get to that deadlines always make things happen. Um, and the way um, J.J. Piccolo was talking yesterday sounded like a guy who was doing a little bit of posturing to me. Um, now, it, I also feel like there's 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 truth to it. I don't think it was, you know, entirely bluster um because i feel i I do believe that you know from um dayton moore through jj that there is a sense that they don't want to feel like they have to make something happen they have to make a deal i think i think that is true that they they're not going to go into this deadline saying we've got to move them and get something for them or else you know we're we're screwed um but at the same time i think you know i I find it hard to believe that they're not going to you know 
reach some sort of a deal, try and maximize the return on Benintendi. Um, and when I say I don't think it's uh, I think it was imposturing, um, JJ's comment yesterday was along the lines of we don't feel the pressure to have to get something done or to have to move any of our players. And that, you know, they know what the interest is from other teams. And it comes down to basically how interested those other teams are or how willing those other teams are, you know, motivated to make a deal. So that's exactly what you would expect for an executive to say if he said if he wants to, you know, um, try and press other teams to say, give us your best offer. Those offers you've given are not good enough. We don't have to move them. <laughs> it's basically, the way I look at that is, you know, uh, they 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 want to they, they feel like with Benintendi, a guy who's an all-star, a guy who's on an expiring contract, so you have flexibility if you're a team acquiring him. Gold glove defender, left-handed hitter, um, a guy who's you know amongst the lead leaders in hits, batting average, on base percentage. Um, you you don't just give that away and get something that's you know an everyday um, run-of-the-mill type of prospect. You want to get a return on that. Absolutely, and you're right. He's uh... You asked him the other day when speaking to him after it was announced he was going to be the Royals all-star representative, you know, if, uh, you know, the changes that he's made in the swing particular are, you know, have, have paid off. And he absolutely said, he said, absolutely it has. And uh, it's been fun to see he's, uh, you know, he's been the most consistent player, you know, every team has to have an all-star representative. And so even if the Royals didn't have a player, with Benintendi's numbers, they would have had a player on the all-star team, but he absolutely deserves his spot on, on this year's American league team. And I was just thinking, I hope they don't trade him in the next few days. Cause I, I want him, then the Royals won't have anybody in an all-star uniform for the, you know, for the game next Tuesday. So. Uh, yeah, it was, it was funny too. You mentioned that clip because I posted the, 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 that answer to my question about his swing change in a little Twitter right. um, clip and there's a lot of responses that I saw that people were talking about. Oh, we need to we need to get this guy. You know, people fans of other teams talking about we need to get this guy for our team. And I'm thinking to myself that the answer to that question was not the reason that you needed to get him. <laughs> I think there was plenty of reasons that you might have wanted to get him, but it wasn't the answer to that question that was that, that put you over the top. Because if if you needed somebody and and you were trying to figure out who you should get. If, if hearing that response was what put you, which made you decide, ah, that's the one to get, I, I think you were a little late on the, uh, the uptick there. <laughs> well, I keep seeing the Yankees, and uh, and, the, and one of the latest teams that I've seen interested in ben, would be interested in Benintendi is the Blue Jays, just because they're, they're such a right-hand hitting uh, oriented lineup, and he would fit really well into the, you know, into the lineup in Toronto. And, and I believe the Royals are up there this week. Um, don't, they, don't they spend the weekend in Toronto? Yeah, they, they, they start a series there on Thursday. So yeah, it's gonna be um it's gonna be interesting. Um yep. and he's you know, he he's gotta be one of the more um coveted guys as far as somebody that people can acquire at the trade deadline and it makes sense for the Royals because he's a free agent at the end of the season. Um it seemed like, you know, going back to spring training that it was pretty clear that, you know, there hadn't really been any talks about an extension that he was gonna get to free agency. Um, and then putting up an all-star season, you know, as, um, you know, as famously has been said by a former colleague of yours, uh, the contract year is undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely undefeated. Um, that doesn't, not only in the NFL, but other sports as well. So, um, 
let's uh, uh, let's begin to wind it down and uh, spend a moment talking about Whit Merrifield. Uh, the end of the streak has arrived, and uh, Whit Merrifield played in a club record 553 consecutive games. And the thing, one of the things I really like about him is he's um, he's a pretty honest evaluator of himself. And when things aren't going well, he'll tell you that. Um, and I, I like the, the response he gave you, Lynn, about, uh, you know, you know, as if, as if you wouldn't have written it, he made sure that it got out there that playing 553 straight games, uh, is difficult for anybody under any circumstance, but doing it in this part of the country, you know, with, with weather conditions, um, uh, makes it even a bigger challenge. Um, what can we say about Whit Merrifield's Ironman streak? Yeah, and that the, the weather thing was also something that um, Tigers manager AJ Hinch mentioned when I, I asked him just about you know the with Merrifield not being in the lineup that day and the, the longest active streak in baseball ending and and he talked about how you know he, he felt for him because he's a, you know you, you want us to have the best players in the game on the field he's like that's just good for Major League Baseball and he's like and he said when you come to Kansas City you expect to have Whit Merrifield in the lineup batting lead off and playing some position and playing it well. And I think that's the other part of what Whit was saying too, was not just that, you know, playing in Kansas city with the heat and the humidity and everything else, but playing multiple positions. Like he's not a, a guy who's just a DH who's in the lineup every day or first baseman who's in the lineup every day. He could have been at one of, I think probably seven different positions on the diamond, depending on the day um, is going to be stealing bases. Is going to be, you know, not, he's not going to be out there just sort of cruising. Um, so that, um, and, and just the fact that, um, you know, he's, uh, he's done it for, um, so long. I mean, like, it's, it's just crazy to think about, um, like I was going through the roster and just trying to find out like how many guys on this roster have actually played regular season games that did not include Whit Merrifield before yesterday. And I came down to, you know, I think it was, you know, um, Granke and Salvi and, um, even Cam, I think, because Cam came up the same year as Wit, and so I was like, "Well, it's possible that he played some games without Wit in the lineup." But I went back to the to the the um, game by game of the game logs from that 2017 season where they both came up, and um, it's it looked yeah. When I looked through it, it's like yeah, every game that Cam played was um, you know with Wit in the lineup, and then even 2018 before Wit streak started. He played games and all those games but was in the lineup. So there's, there's really two guys, I, I believe, on that roster who played regular season games for the Royals that did not have Whit Merrifield in the lineup. And then obviously guys who came up after that have all played, you know, every game they've played, which in the lineup with them. So um, it's just crazy to think about. Yeah, it's an amazing streak. And we sh- and I should note that it's a toe injury that's keeping him out. And if anybody who's ever had a toe injury knows how painful those can be. It's a combination of uh, things, isn't it, Lynn? It's not. It's, it's not just one thing on his foot. It's a couple things. Yeah, as he described, there was a bone bruise, and also there was um, ligament uh, swelling. So, um, and it's on that right foot. And and as he put it, at least it was um, the fact that it was that foot is what made it an issue for him to be able to play because it was it was going to affect his swing. He wasn't going to be able to put weight on that. He wasn't. It wasn't going to be able to you know push off of that. Um, to you know, in his swing, and he felt like it was going to be he was going to be compromised at the plate. And one, it just he wasn't going to have as much power, he wasn't going to be able to put as good swings on the ball. And then also, he thought in the long run, it was, might 
you know, create bad habits at the plate. And, and we saw this season, you know, people obviously remember the first part of the season when he was struggling. And I think we played the video on here of him answering me about how, you know, um, he was still having good at bats and he, he could go through, you know, basically a bat by a bat where he was still putting good swings on. He was still hitting the ball hard, how he got robbed on, you know, some plays in the field. Um, but the average just wasn't there. And um, since then, the last 58 games, he's been slashing like almost 290, 340, and over like 420 or something like that. Um, five home runs, 30 RBIs, 11 stolen bases. So the, the last, you know, almost 60 games, he's been more the wit that we um, remember. It's just the overall numbers this year took a took a nosedive early. Um, and uh, I think that's part of the thinking too is, you know, he got himself back on track, you know, the last two months to play through this injury that's going to, you know, just um, tank makes sense. Well, the spirit of Whit Merrifield was in the lineup yesterday as the Royals won both games from the Tigers. They look to keep it going tonight and uh, against the Tigers. It's a four-game set, and as Lynn said, they go to Toronto after this. Lynn, great information. Really loved having you today, and we'll do it again soon. Thanks to Monty Davis for producing today's show and to our sponsor, the University of Kansas Health System. Until next time, take care. That'll do it for today. Thanks to Monty Davis for producing the podcast and the live stream. And thanks to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Morning Sports Edition brings you all the coverage of the Royals, Major League Baseball, and much, much more. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC. Thank you.